And I felt like it was important that we uh, look into Scripture, especially for what's going on in our world today, and be reminded of who we are in Christ Jesus and how we can be the church we need to be in the day and age in which we live. Thanks for tuning in to the Putnam City Baptist Church podcast. We hope this message encourages you wherever you might be. If you'd like to learn more about PCBC, visit us online at pcbc.tv. Now, here's Pastor Bill. Well, good morning, church. It is June. Summer has begun here in Oklahoma City, and we are starting a brand new sermon series. We're going to pause in the book of Romans. And I felt like it was important that we uh, look into Scripture, especially for what's going on in our world today, and be reminded of who we are in Christ Jesus and how we can be the church we need to be in the day and age in which we live. These are our unprecedented times. Uh, all of our hearts ache for uh, the black community. Our hearts ache for police officers. Our heart aches for a nation that is spiraling out of control, distancing itself further and further from the God who blessed us, the God who created us. How do we respond and how do we live in days like today? Well, we're beginning a new sermon series called The Eleventh Commandment. That'll make more sense by the end of today. But all of us would have to be honest to say that we are living in a time when we don't know what to do. When we realize there are problems and there are struggles and challenges before us, but we don't know how to respond or what that means. When we don't know what to do, Adrian Rogers used to teach, when you don't know what to do, simply do what you know you should do. So we're going to take the month of June and maybe a little bit into July and we're going to reflect on scripture of what it teaches about the life we have in Christ and how that is displayed in a world of chaos. And so I hope you'll be a part of that. We had a very enlightening time as a staff this week as we were praying for our city and praying for our nation, praying for the world. As we now are facing riots in our own streets, uh, the different factions that are beginning to happen during this season, as we're taping this, this this afternoon, it's actually Wednesday. We're having to tape during the week to show it to you on Sunday mornings because we're going to be outside live at the very same time. And so please understand, we're taping this on a Wednesday afternoon before Sunday. We're not sure what's going to happen going into this weekend as we come up to the funeral date of George Floyd. It's anticipated from what we hear from many in the police community right here in our very own city, that there could be much chaos that came into this weekend as we now are in God's Word. What I do know is this. God has all the answers. God has truth for us that can guide us and be a light to our path, even in the darkest of days. Bob Shelton brought an article to our staff this past week that, that helped bring some perspective that I thought maybe you'd like to hear as well. It was pointed out that starting the year 2020, in the month of January, we returned to the year 1974. We started this year with a presidential impeachment, much like they did in 1974. Very quickly after that, as we were processing that as a nation and all the emotion of that, we then returned to 1918 when there was another health pandemic like we have experienced in 2020. Then very quickly after that, we returned to the year 1929 with an economic crash and an economic crisis. And then on top of all of that combined together, we return now to 1968 when there again is urban unrest, riots in our streets, and races fighting it out against one another. All of those events were separated by decades. 
traumatic events in our history that literally took place that we processed as Americans, but we did that over a course of decades and multiple decades. We've experienced all four of those things in a matter of months, just three to four months. It's no wonder that we are feeling what we feel. It's no wonder there is the unrest at hand. And it's no wonder that the enemy needs to be exposed who's seeking to do everything he can in these last days to kill, steal, and destroy. Well, I don't know all the answers. I don't know what needs to necessarily be addressed going into this, but I know God's word does, and that's where we're going to land. We're growing up in a time when our world and our country has lost its moral compass. Humanity left to itself does not evolve. It doesn't matter what they taught us in school, what might be in a textbook. We don't naturally evolve to a better place. A matter of fact, left to ourselves, we self-destruct. And that's being seen in the streets of our own cities. We don't evolve into people of peace. We escalate into people of war. We don't love unconditionally and become more pure in our love for one another. Instead, we segregate, we isolate, and we dominate. As we look at uh, all these thousands of years of human history, you would think by now we'd be living in paradise. But we find ourselves literally experiencing hell on earth in the day and age in which we live. God created us to have abundant life, but the enemy wants to rob us of that divine reality and God's plans that he has for you, that he has for us. And so as human history unfolded, God first gave the law, a law, gave one law to Adam in the garden to experience paradise. And what did Adam do with that? He didn't have a sin nature. He wasn't living in a sinful world. He was living in paradise. But Adam in that moment chose to break the law and all hell broke loose here on planet earth. Then fast forward, we get to the days of Moses and God again brings the law, this time 10 commandments. Ten things he would give to Moses to show us how to live life and how life was designed to be blessed. But it was no different. The days of Moses from the days of Adam, from the days of you and I, we break the law and we suffer the consequences every day. And so as we return into a season of how we respond in brokenness and in chaos when so many people have scattered from the truth and are living a lie and experiencing the consequences of our darkness, how do we shine the light? Well, uh, the Ten Commandments were given, as I said, to be a light to our path. How many of you today could quote the Ten Commandments? Could just off the top of your head, you know what those ten things are. Now, they'll be familiar. I'll share them with you in a moment. But can you quote the Ten Commandments? Well, let's do this. I'm going to put a word picture up for each one. Let's go through the 10 things that were given to Moses. 10 things that would protect us from ourselves. 10 things that would allow us to experience the blessing of our creator and being his creation. The first commandment, I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have no other gods but me. It was very simple. We were created to have a relationship with the one true God, the only God, our creator. And yet we find ourselves pursuing everything and all other kinds of relationships relating to other people, relating to material things, pursuing everything else but the God who created us. Commandment number two, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Yes, that was written before we had automobiles, but certainly driving on the roads in America today have certainly tested that commandment in all of our hearts. The third commandment, 
Thou shalt keep the Sabbath day holy. But there was to be a day of rest that, yes, we were to be productive and we were to work in this creation. But as his creation, as he modeled in his seven days of creation, we were to have a day of rest, a day of Sabbath, a day to worship, a day to renew, a day to rebuild and replenish. All of those things have gone by the wayside. Fourth commandment, thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother. Whether you want to hear it or not, whether you want that piece of discipline, that, that piece of guidance or wisdom, we're to honor our mother and our father. Commandment number five, thou shalt not kill. We live in a very violent society today, and unfortunately we are seeing life taken, not just on our streets, but even in the womb. And we find that we are a calloused creation, that we are murderers, violence, and it runs not just in the streets, as I said, but in other aspects of our lives. The sixth commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. We see the degradation of the home and marriages that are falling apart. We see through uh, all kinds of things, all kinds of attack on the covenant relationship of marriage that was designed to be holy, a picture to the world of what it means to have a bridegroom, Jesus, and we to be his bride. And now we see that marred and impacted through adultery. The seventh commandment, thou shalt not steal. Even when it comes to those homemade chocolate chip cookies sitting right there on the counter and your desire to go in and snatch the very first one, thou shalt not steal. Commandment number eight, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Commandment number nine, do not let thyself lust after thy neighbor's wife. Again, speaking to the integrity of the family and the, the home and marriage, we see two things addressed there. And then the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, his farm, his cattle, or anything that is his, including that Tonka toy. Well, those are 10 commandments that were given in general to speak to the heart of man that desired everything but the will of God. The areas that we have a tendency to stray out of his will and into the ditch. The law given to Moses on Mount Sinai was given so that we would know how to love God and how to love people. It was never intended to be what it became. It was never to be a law, this legalistic list of do's and don'ts. This rigid uh, rock that was symbolized in two tablets of stone created hard hearts. What was designed to show us the way of life actually would reveal to us our passion for sin. Over time, it became rigid, it became ritualistic, it became legalistic. Instead of it being life-giving, it became restrictive and it became cold in the hearts of God's creation. And so the Ten Commandments became known as the thou shall nots, that negative connotation, that, that, that limitation that God wants to put us in a box and God doesn't want us to have fun and God doesn't... He wants you to have the very best, blessed life possible. And God knows that sin will never pay, and sin will never complete, and sin will never fulfill. You see, the law was never designed to be a don't list. It was designed to be a list of how to experience his love and demonstrate that love in all the earth. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 13 and verse 8. Romans chapter 13 and verse 8. The Apostle Paul had to address this. As a matter of fact, he will remind them this law that they were clinging to, 
this law that they were trying to keep. They were trying to be the best people on planet Earth, and they were trying to be so religiously devout to the law, not to the Lord, but to keeping of the law. Look at what Paul said, verse 8. He says, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. The Apostle Paul said, We all have a debt. We have a debt unto the Lord that we could not pay, that he paid, which now gives us a debt of gratitude and love to him. And as we receive the Lord into our life, the one who paid our debt, we now have that debt lived out in the love of God that we are to express to one another. We're going to unpack this more today. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, and he starts quoting, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. He's quoting those same commandments we just looked at. He says, and if there's any other commandment, it's summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You see, love does not do wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. He was trying to remind them that while they were so meticulous about the, the law and trying to keep the law, they were violating it every day because of the way that they were not loving one another. Matter of fact, that would be displayed in how they treated the Lord Jesus. It wasn't the sinners that crucified Jesus. It was my sin, yes, but who set it all up? It was the religious people of Jerusalem that wanted him killed, that refused to love him in that moment. And what Paul is saying here is because we have experienced the love of God in our hearts, we're now compelled and led by God to live out that very same love. A love for him and a love for them, our neighbors, the people of God's creation. Love and law are not two opposing realities. The law was centered in love. It was the way we were to express love. And yet the law is looked at today as being rock solid, cold and hard, just like those two tablets of stone that Moses received from the Lord. And Jesus had to unpack this as well in his day. Turn over, if you have your Bibles, to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 30. The purpose of my sermon today is to set that foundational sermon for this whole sermon series of what it means, what is that 11th commandment? We are familiar with the 10. What's that 11th commandment? Watch this, Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 30. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognizing that he, Jesus, had answered them well, asked him a follow-up question. Jesus, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost is, don't you know everybody went silent? Don't you know the arguing stopped for just that brief moment because everybody wanted to listen in to what Jesus would say? The foremost commandment, he said, is, hear this, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Notice he didn't say you love the Lord your God by just keeping the commandments. He talked about the heart issue, that it wasn't what we do on the outside religiously and ritualistically. It's what we do on the inside and how we love God. And then he went on to say, and the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So we look in on this story, we find some unique persons in the story. 
The first one I want to draw your attention to is the scribe. One of the scribes, now there were many in the crowd, there were many who were trying to find ways to trip Jesus up and expose him as a false prophet. But this one scribe spoke up. What's a scribe? A scribe was a recognized expert in the Jewish law. Scribes were the ones that would reproduce handmade copies of the Hebrew scriptures. And over time, they would often develop in, as they were familiar with the scriptures, they would be looked to, often in Jewish culture, to write legal opinions based on certain passages of scripture. In other words, they were seen as experts, and they were seen as those who understood the law better than the average layperson, if you will. And, and so they were looked to, in that role, to be a religious expert on the law. These who were bringing interpretations or their religious legal briefs were often blindly followed by the Jewish people. They took their interpretation to be the word of God. And as a result, over time, many scribes led many astray. This particular scribe was familiar with the law. He was studied in the law. He was accountable to interpret the law, but he had no clue about the real meaning of the law. He, like other scribes, had taught people that the way you're right with God is by doing the law rather than reminding them that the law showed them how to be the people of God. Knew it in their head, missed it in their heart. And so Jesus responds, and he corrects his misinterpretation. And he says, you are not to do this from duty, but you are to love the Lord your God from your heart. And then it's to translate in the way you love your neighbors. Look at verse 30 again. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Jesus spoke into the heart of the issue. And he would do that for you and me today. If we talk about what needs to happen in America today, what needs to happen in the world today, we would need to return our hearts to the God who created these hearts. Our hearts need to be transformed. Our hearts need to be filled with the love of God. And that then needs to be reflected to all people of all races, of all nations, at all times, in all circumstances. Loving the Lord our God with all of our heart. And then that marries up by letting that love live out of us in the way we love our neighbors. There is no greater commandment than these. So as you look at the Ten Commandments, as Jesus would point them back to what was given to them, but why it was given, and how it was to be experienced, he course corrects. If you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments were given so we could know how to love God, how we could experience his love, but also keep our love pure for him. The next six commandments were how we were to live out the second part of the commandment. He said there's nothing greater than, and that's how we love our neighbor. Six things given to us on how we are to do that well. Well, flip over to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. We wake up and a, another religious person shows up, not a scribe, but a lawyer. Now, don't filter that through your term of what a lawyer is and what lawyers do in our culture. I'm going to come back to that, but look at verse 25. And a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, 
with all your strength and with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Sunday school answer. How easy is it to say the right things but not live or experience the right things? He gave the right answer to a degree. Look at verse 28. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, who's my neighbor? Isn't it interesting? Instead of him just assuming that means everybody, he's looking for a narrow definition. He's hoping Jesus will say, well, it's our people. You're to, you're to love your neighbor who are your Jewish brethren. He's looking for a narrow way of living the love of God, if he even knew it in the first place. This lawyer, let's go back to this person. Here's a unique person in this story. This time, instead of a scribe, it was a lawyer. The lawyers in the Old Testament were actually the next step above the scribe. A scribe would serve for 12 years in their capacity. They would do their duties. They would study. They would grow in their understanding of the law. They would interpret. They would give interpretations. And after 12 years, as if they had just graduated from seminary, they would then be promoted to a lawyer. The lawyer's role was to basically be learned in the law, and they got that training as a scribe, Then they were to appear as expert witnesses before the Sanhedrin. And they would be called upon when they were picking the law apart and how people were living their lives and putting it under a microscope and getting into their legalism, what we know as religion. That was the role of a lawyer, an expert witness of all things related to the law. And he's asking Jesus what this law is all about. Who is my neighbor? Jesus answered with a story. As you continue on, you'll see the very familiar story of the Good Samaritan. And I find it interesting that he would use this analogy to help them understand who God is and who we are when we're in the love of God. He tells them the story of the Good Samaritan. As you remember that story... Uh, you see that the hero of the story was a Samaritan. That was foreign to all Jewish understanding. All Jews believed that Samaritans were the scum of the earth. It was the prejudice of their day. It was the racism of their day. And Jesus brings that whole issue of how races were relating, the prejudice in those moments, and how that reflected the brokenness and the sinfulness of man's heart. That these scribes and these lawyers and these Jewish uh, folks of religion who thought they were honoring God by being the people of God were far from God. And he pointed to their heart issues. It was demonstrated in the way they loved their neighbors. Not a more poignant passage that would speak to where we are today. And that Jesus would remind us that racism and prejudice and hatred and anger and violence and murder And all the things that we're seeing are never part of God's design. And when we fall into those things, and when we allow those things to happen, we're no different than this lawyer, and we're no different than a scribe or a Sadducee or a Pharisee. Maybe Jesus needs to expose some things in our hearts these days. Maybe he needs to expose some things where we think we're all religious and we go to church and we do. But maybe we haven't been who we need to be. Maybe we haven't been who we need to be to our black brother. 
Maybe we haven't been who we need to be to the authorities of our land and our police officers and those who try to protect us. Are there bad apples? Of course there are. What the officer did in Minneapolis was inexcusable and is, it was murderous and just what the scripture speaks to, it was evil. But do we have areas of evil in our heart that we're allowing to lay there dormant or perhaps that we have just made excuse for? Jesus addressed it and he spoke into that. And he used the story to show us that we think many times we are loving God because we're religious, but we're really not doing the real deeds of the love of God that should be flowing from our hearts. And so Jesus spoke into it. And while he said there's no greater commandment than loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself, he did give a new commandment. Turn over if you have your Bibles. Do you know about the 11th commandment? Do you know what that 11th commandment is? We find it in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Turn over there. The Ten Commandments became known as the shall nots. The 11th commandment is the thou shall be. This is who we are called to be. This new commandment is what Jesus gives us, especially for this day in which we live. Take a look at it. Verse 34. Remember the background. Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. It's at the end of his days here on planet Earth, and he's going to give some final instructions to his disciples. Don't you think this is a key moment? Don't you think that they should have been listening in, and now that we have the privilege to listen in, will we have ears to hear today? Listen in. Listen to what Jesus said. Verse 34. They'd been having their discussions all night long. They'd been having their debates they had been talking about all the things that they had been experiencing in Jerusalem. They had talked about the tension between the Jewish nation and the Roman nation. They had been talking about the Messiah was now coming, was going to clear them away from all this oppression. And they had their riots in the street. They had their issues in their day. They even had their own issues among each other. Even these 12 brothers find themselves fighting about who was the greatest. And in these moments, Jesus speaks, and listen to what he said. A new commandment I give to you. Now think about that for just a moment, the, the, the drama of that moment. They had heard him teach over and over to the scribes, to the lawyers, to the people. There's no greater commandment than to love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. And now he's going to give a new commandment? Woo, this has got to be some good stuff. Don't you know it went silent in that room? Don't you know they broke out all their spiritual journals? They're ready to take their notes. They're ready to take down the Sunday school answers and take in a new commandment. But something big was about to happen. The Lord was trying to open their eyes to the understanding that they were falling in the same trap that all had gone before them. They'd been jockeying for position. They all wanted a role in the leadership cabinet of the Messiah. And now he says, boys, listen up. Listen up. I have a new commandment for you. I'm sure in that moment they were certainly engaged, or you hope that they were. And what is this new commandment? Give it to me, Jesus. We want in on the scoop. Give us something new. Fix all of our problems. Give us a new commandment. A new commandment I give you, verse 34, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. 
Can you, can you imagine as they heard Jesus give them this new commandment? I can see them looking down the table at each other and thinking, what is going on? Jesus needs a nap. He's exhausted. This isn't a new commandment. This isn't anything new. We've heard all along we're supposed to love God and love our neighbors. Give me something new, Jesus. This wasn't new. We've got the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments demand that we do that. You said you were going to give us something new, and he does. It's what we call the Eleventh Commandment. He says, a new commandment I give you. That word new translates in the Greek, that, that word that's used there, it means new in quality, something that's never been experienced before. New and improved. You see, it wasn't new that we were to love each other, but, but what he says is new is the way we love each other. Look at what he says. Here's the new. Love one another even as I have loved you. This new teaching was being lived out before their very own eyes. Jesus practiced first what he taught, and then he taught it to them that night. What do I mean by that? Well, rewind the tape. Remember the setting. They're in the upper room. It's the last hour of his life on earth. He's about to become the Passover lamb. He's about to be brutally butchered for the sins of the world. And his disciples were arguing about what cabinet position they were going to get in his kingdom. Arguing about who was the greatest when they're right there in the room with, excuse me, I'd be Jesus. Excuse me, I'm in the room. <laughs> Who's the greatest? Where's the argument? But they were arguing among each other. Go back, back up in context very quickly and look at verse 3. John chapter 13, verse 3. This is what they lived out before he preached the commandment. He taught them through his love for them. Look at it, verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper, laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet, to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter, and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? See, Peter was blown away. Peter, Peter couldn't imagine the master taking the role of a servant. Peter couldn't put his head around the fact that we don't live that way. We live according to our power structures. We master and then we have servants and the lowly do the low things and the mighty do the mighty things and there you see a form of prejudice a form of class privilege and jesus stepped into it notice what it says that jesus did jesus laid aside his garments those garments that he took off were what distinguished him as a rabbi rabbis would wear distinguishable garments and you would know exactly who they wore and the role they played. Jesus took those garments off. Instead, he took up a towel. What a great sermon Jesus preached. Way before he ever said a new commandment I give you, he demonstrated the new commandment. And that's what we need to be doing. It's easy to preach to people. You shouldn't be destroying our cities. You shouldn't be hating people. You shouldn't be prejudiced. We can quote the law all day long, but what if we lived out what Jesus did. What if we took off our garments of self-righteousness? 
What if we took our garments off of denominationalism? What if we took off our religious garment and we bore our heart for God to a world that desperately needs to see it? And what if we took up towels? What if we did what Jesus did and we demonstrated the truth rather than just preach the truth? That's what Jesus did. He took up a towel, the garment of a servant, and he washed their feet. Their is plural. It wasn't just possessive, it was also plural. He washed all their feet. He washed Peter's feet. Peter, who he had already warned, and Peter, who he knew, was going to deny him three times that night. Peter was going to do what he thought he would never do. This strong man of God would fail him miserably that night, and Jesus still washed his feet. He washed other people's feet all around that table, including Judas, his betrayer the one who would betray him for 30 simple pieces of silver. And Jesus didn't say, get away from me. You are my enemy, a child of the devil. Jesus brought the towel even to the one who would cause him ultimate pain and betrayal. What's wrong with our, what's wrong with our country? What's wrong in our world today? We can point fingers all day long. We can point at this Judas, or we can point at this person who acts like Peter. We could point at, but maybe it needs to come back. The spotlight needs to come back on us, and maybe we've not been the Jesus we need to be in the world in which we live. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. And when he preached that, he had already lived it, and he had already modeled it for his disciples. And look at the last verse. We're going to close with this. Jesus modeled this commandment as he washed the disciples' feet. He practiced this commandment as he loved us while we were yet sinners. He demonstrated this commandment as he died on a cross for my sin. Verse 35, that's how he loves me and that's how he loves you. And he says, love one another as I have loved you. Are we willing to model it? Are we willing to practice it? Are we willing to demonstrate it? Verse 35, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How will the world know? What's one of the greatest ways light can shine in darkness? Let the light shine through our love, our love for God and our love for one another. This world is falling apart before our very eyes. And could it be that it's not because of this group or this faction or this race or this issue? Could it be that it's because we have not loved like he loved? Could it be that we've not been loving one another? Or maybe we have. Maybe it could be that we've been so busy just loving one another, our little brothers and sisters of the faith, but not loving our neighbors. Notice he didn't say that the great commandments were love God and love your brother and sister. He says to love your neighbor, to love every single person person in all of God's creation we can't even love our brothers and sisters very well that's why there's a first baptist church in each town a second baptist church and a third baptist church that's why there's baptists and methodists and catholics and this and that we can't even love the brothers and the sisters much less love our neighbors as we should so the rest of this month we're going to learn how to love God with all of our heart and express that by how we love one another. We're going to focus on the 11th commandment as we study in scripture all the exhortation that we have. 
100 different times we're told, do this to one another. Do this to one another. 59 different ways we demonstrate his love. I hope you'll join us every Sunday in June and perhaps into July as we dig in to how we love one another. Would you join me as we pray this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed? I want to challenge you. Number one, let's deal with the first commandment. There should be no other God in your life but the Lord God. And I wonder today, could you say honestly before that holy God that he is in your life? That you love him with all your heart? Or do you just know about him in your head? Do you need Christ today? Do you need his forgiveness? Do you need to surrender this simple, empty heart and receive a new life and a new heart from Christ? I encourage you today, I would, I would exhort you, call on the name of the Lord. Trust him in this moment. Invite him into your heart. Let him change you from the inside out. You say, how do I do that? You pray to God. You say, I don't know how to pray. I didn't either. A guy by the name of Jay Strack led me through a sinner's prayer. And I'm so thankful that he pointed me and taught me how to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. I'd like to do that for you today. If you've never trusted Christ in your heart, just talk to God. You can do it out loud, wherever you are. You can do it from your heart to God's. But just, first of all, first base, like a baseball diamond. First base, confess your sin. That's the first thing I had to do. I had to say, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I know I've sinned against you. Second base, I opened the door of my heart. As I repented of my sin, I said, Lord, now I believe in you. You are the only way, the only truth, and the only life. I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. Would you be willing to do that? Would you believe that he's the only way, your, your only truth, and your only hope? Your life. And then as you open that door, he will come in. And he will transform you from the inside out. It says, as many as receive him like a gift, the blessing of that gift is you become a child of God. If that just happened for you just now, Reach out to our online pastor. Let him know that you just prayed and that you want to know where you go from here. We'd love to get some materials to you. We'd love to pray for you and encourage you in your new life in Christ. If you have questions, you know that you're not saved, but you don't all understand everything we just talked about, reach out in any way and say, I still have questions. Could I talk to somebody online or on the phone? We'd love to minister to you in these days. There's another group I want to speak to today. You know the love of God. You've received the love of God. But you've not been loving your neighbor as you should. We've not been who we need to be to our community, to our neighbors. Maybe this needs to be a time where we fall on our face before God and say, God, forgive us. It starts at the house of God. If his people will humble themselves, if his people will repent, if they will pray, he'll heal their land. I'd encourage you right where you are, if you're in the living room, your bedroom, driving in a car, maybe you're a passenger in a car and you're watching on your phone, wherever you might be, and God's speaking to you right now, would you just make that an altar right where you are? And would you just get honest and transparent before the Lord? Pray like the psalmist, Lord, if there be any wicked way in me, if there's any way I've not loved my neighbor, God, reveal it. And God, drive it out of my heart. Lord, I pray for every person who's viewing and worshiping right now. God, I pray, change our hearts, heal our land, receive all glory. And God, our desire is that we would literally do that, that we would love you and that your love would shine from us 
especially in the day in which we live. We ask all this now in the precious name of Jesus and for his sake. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you today. May God bless our nation as we, the church, repent and lead the way back to him. We'll see you soon. Thank you for spending time with our church family. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, visit us online at pcbc.tv. There you can also contact us and find out how to connect with us through social media channels. And visit pcbc.tv podcast to listen to additional messages from Putnam City Baptist Church.